I've been trying Python 3.8 during the beta releases, because I'm that kind of guy. But it's no longer in beta. Python 3.8.0 Final is live and ready to download. Yay! On today's episode, we're going to run through the What's New doc that the Python.org team put out, picking out the bits that I think are the most interesting and affect the most people, including optimizations in 3.8, porting to 3.8, new language features, standard library changes, and a cool little benchmark demo. Are you going to upgrade right away? I'm going to. I'll jump in with both feet with small projects, and for large projects, of course, a careful approach with test, of course. I'm excited about Python 3.8, and really, this episode is my way to try to get you excited about it, too. Thank you to Patreon supporters for your continued support of the show, and thank you PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. They've done a bunch of cool new things lately. More on that later. Now, Python 3.8! Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. All right, Python 3.8 is now here. So if you go to python.org, you can download it. I've already downloaded it for Mac and for Windows. Yes, I work on both of those. I've not tried it on Linux because I'm currently not working on a Linux machine, but I know it's available for there. What I'm going to go through today is a document. That's at, I'm going to have the link in the show notes, but it's docs.python.org slash 3.8 slash what's new slash 3.8.html. That's pretty easy. So we're going to go through a little bit of optimizations, a little bit on Python, porting to Python, and some, some of the new features that I absolutely love and can't wait to get my hands on. Actually, I already have my hands on them, but can't wait to play with them more. Some of the standard library changes and cool benchmark demo. Of course, you can read this document, but it's, or the what's new thing, but it's kind of long. So I thought I would uh, kind of help out with, with kind of going through it for you. All right. I got some notes here for when I uh, installed on my Windows machine. I've got a Windows 10 machine. I installed it on just today, actually yesterday. What do my notes say? Sometimes I forget to do this, but when you install it on Windows, the, just the default install off of python.org, I think it's a good idea to go through the advanced options and click add Python to the environmental variables so that you can just, it's just there. That's just my recommendation. Sometimes I forget to do it and I always regret it. I know I can, you know, I can, I know how to edit my own environmental variables, but I'm lazy. I just reinstall it and click that checkbox. Also, as a reminder, I, you can run multiple versions of Python at the same time. I am running, I just wrote, Deleted 3.6, actually, to try to have less installs on my uh, machine. I am currently have 3.7 and 3.8 both on all of my machines as I'm going through the transition to 3.8 to make sure it all works. And uh, there's lots of ways to do multiple versions on Windows. At least I'm trying out the Pi thing. Another option in the advanced install is a thing called Pi that allows you to uh, run both versions. But I... I think it'll be just a short while while I have two versions on my Windows machine. I'll probably switch to 3.8 pretty quick. Optimizations. There's actually a really long list of optimizations for 3.8. So what does that mean? Well, 
I'm going to break this down into a little bit of a bullet. My take on the whole thing is there's a whole bunch of time and memory optimizations in 3.8. That should, in general, make all of the code that you've used to run on 3.7 run faster on 3.8. Uh, with also with less memory. So there's memory optimizations and time optimizations. Very cool. That's my take on it. There's a section in the document about porting to Python 3.8. I think that just know it's there. I would recommend, I'm, I'm that's what I'm doing. I skimmed through it. Read it if you run into any issues. I didn't see anything in there that would cause me concern for what I'm usually doing. And I do some wacky stuff, but um, I would, uh, you know, take a perusal. Do you upgrade it, maybe in a virtual environment or a side branch of your code? Try it out. See if there's anything. If you run into anything, I'd be curious about it. Let me know uh, what sorts of things you ran into. But the in the porting section, one of the things I'm excited about is there's a there's a new syntax warning. How, how, why would somebody be excited about that? But this is cool. The compiler now produces a syntax warning when, when identity checks, like is or is not, are used with certain types of literals, like strings and numbers. These can often work by accident, but are not guaranteed in the language spec. So, like, is one, is a, that's not really, you're supposed to use equal. So it's got a warning that'll tell you to use equal and not equal instead. So that's cool. Okay, definitely the fun part. I want to talk about all the new features. So, yeah, that is exactly why I'm upgrading. Uh, I guess, like, the the pragmatist in me or whatever might say that the real reason to upgrade to 3.8 is because your code will run faster and there's a whole bunch of bug fixes. But really, it's all these cool, fun features. So first off, assignment expressions. That's the new walrus operator that you've probably heard about. It's called the walrus. If you haven't heard about it, it's called the walrus operator because it's colon equal sign. And if you think of like emojis or emoticons where colon right paren was a smiley face. This kind of looks like two eyes and walrus tusks. So yeah, there's the walrus operator. What is it? So there's a whole bunch of different reasons why you would put this in here. But like the idea is if you normally have a couple lines where you have something with an assignment and, and you want to do it in an expression at the same time, like in an if clause or a while clause or in a, in a something like that, it's sometimes annoying that you have to break these up. Uh, like in old C code, you used to be able to just say, you know, assign a, assign to a pointer in a in the if statement or in a while loop, and when the pointer finally hit the null terminator, the it would jump out of the while loop. Well, you can kind of do that in Python now. We don't have null terminators, but we do have like nuns and stuff. So often you'll grab something out of a database or grab something out of a, a data structure, and if it's none or zero or empty, you don't want to do anything. But if it is has a value, you want to do something. That's exactly the case where assignment expressions are going to be super handy. And I'm going to actually just going to, I think I'm just going to start using these and see if the most of my colleagues catch on and go, what the heck are you doing here, man? Hopefully they're listening to this podcast. Though. Thank you to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. If you're going to try out Python 3.8, you should consider using PyCharm to try it out. PyCharm tooltips and built-in syntax checking is all ready for 3.8, helping you with the position-only parameters, assignment expressions, and the cool equal option at the end of the f-strings, the whole bit, as well as saving you time with other handy features. I recently learned about refactor inline. 
a feature that replaces all the calls to a function with the body of the function. Seems weird, but for a really small function, it sometimes actually makes the code way more readable. And if it's not readable, you can just undo it. There's a lot of refactor goodies, actually, that make incre- incredible time savers. So head to testingcode.com slash PyCharm before October 29 to try PyCharm Pro for four months. Why Pro? Well, you never know what features you absolutely can't live without. I didn't know I needed PyCharm as a remote Postgres admin interface or SQL schema visualization, and now I never want to go without it. Give it a try yourself at testingcode.com slash PyCharm. Next feature I want to talk about is positional-only parameters. Now, this is kind of a big thing for a lot of people. We had, uh, or we have like the star for keyword only to separate your arguments from keyword only. And now we have in your function definition, you can have a slash in the middle of your variable names. And it will say that it'll divide the positional onlys from the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people excited about using this. I think it will help be clear things up for when you're um, accessing C code, C libraries, because position mapping is definitely important when you're linking with C functions. Outside of that, I know there's there's probably some cool uses. I'm probably not going to use it much, but it's here. Positional only parameters with a slash. The third item I wanted to talk about was f string support with the equal x f strings support the equal sign at the end for self-documenting expressions and debugging. Well, the, actually, the explanation is longer than just doing it. The gist is, if you use an f-string with an expression in it and put an equal sign what, at the end, or by the closing squiggly bracket, what you get is the string will be replaced with the expression not evaluated with an equal sign and then the expression evaluated on the right. So all those times when you do debugging with print statements or logging, where you say, you know, print value equals then the f bracket, the curly bracket value. So you've got, you're trying to, you know, you've done this all the time. I do it all the time too. Yes, I still debug with print statements sometimes. It's a lot easier now with this little expression thing. This is totally cool. I love it. Now under, in this document, it has other language changes. So they, I guess all the rest of these are lumped into not as important to as many people, I guess, or not as controversial. I'm not sure, but I pulled a, there's a long list. I pulled out a few that I thought were neat. The bool int and fraction type now have a uh, ha- now have an as integer ratio method. You know why do I care about that? Yeah, it's just neat. You know, so to so you can uh, say numerator denominator equals x as integer ratio. I I don't know. I it's kind of cool. I, I'm surprised we didn't have that already. This next one is added support of uh, named escapes in. It's kind of like uh, the f-string type thing, but in regular expressions. And there, it's something like if you have the copyright and the copyright symbol, and you want to be able to search for that in regular expression, all these symbol things. What it is is you can you can do a slash, of you know backslash capital N, and then in brackets like you would the f-strings, curly brackets, the name of the the Unicode character. And you can just use Unicode character names then within regular expressions. And it makes your regular expressions that have Unicode characters easier to read. That's actually pretty cool. I didn't know that that was going in until I was just looking through this list today. Next, dictionaries and dict views are now iterable in reversed insertion order using reversed. That's cool. 
I don't think I've ever wanted to do that, but it's neat. So reversed insertion order. Neat. Next up, uh, you know how when you return a uh, return or yield a value from a function, they enclosing parentheses around them, you don't have to do that anymore. Basically, you could just return and you can have a list of list of values and it returns a tuple. You don't have to put them in the make a tuple before you return it. That's cool. Oh, th- this is great. Uh, the next one is uh, when a comma is missing in a list of, so if, let's say you've got a list of tuples and you forgot to put the comma before between the tuples. It's, it isn't valid syntax, but like, for instance, this happens to me a lot when I'm doing parameterized testing. I've got parameterized testing is full of lists of tuples. And if you forget one of the commas, it's a syntax error. And it always has been a syntax. I think it was always been, I guess it was a type error sometimes. Now uh, the compiler displays a syntax warning with a helpful suggestion. So you'll be able to figure that out better. So yeah, it's a mistake I always do. Apparently um, there's a new module and this is kind of neat. It's called importlib.metadata. So this module provides support for reading metadata from third-party packages. For example, it can extract an installed package's version number list of entry points, and more. So you can say something like from importlib.metadata, import, say, version or requires or files. Requires, that's neat. And you can uh, look at the version number of something you imported. So that's really cool. Or look at what it requires. I wonder what that is. I'll have to try that. That's neat. The next section is improved modules. This is kind of cool. I, don't, I, I'm, I wanted to play with async stuff. And uh, when I play with Python, sometimes I do it on the command line, or not at the command line. Yeah, I do that too. But sometimes in a the REPL, because Python has this cool REPL built in. Now Python-M async.io will launch a native async REPL. So you can play with async code right in the REPL. How cool is that? I got to admit, nerdy kind of person, I do use the LRU cache occasionally. I like so if you don't know what LRU cache is, yeah, skip this section. But um, Funk Tools LRU cache, it's just a minor change. You used to be able, to, you used to have to decorate a function with the LRU cache with a parenthesis, like it looked like a function call. And if you forgot that, it, it didn't work right. But now you don't have to do, you can leave off the parentheses. You can use it with or without parentheses and it still works. That's cool. A couple new math functions. So in the math, uh, math package there's math dist for computing euclidean distance between two points so if you give it like two x and x and y tuples and get the distance between those two that's kind of neat this is neat there's a math.prod and what that does is it's kind of like sum so if you take the sum of a whole bunch of numbers it just adds them up but prod will multiply them all up and it also will take a default start value the default is one but you can say Take these lists and multiply them all together and have a start value for multiplying. That's kind of cool. So it's like sum, but multiply. There's a couple other math functions, but I'll skip those. OSPath and Pathlib both have similar changes that there were were methods like exists and isdir and isfile, ismount, things like that, islink. They used to if you gave them gibberish, like if you gave them something that your operating system really couldn't use as a realistic path, it would uh, throw an exception. Now it just returns false. 
which is cool because if you're going through a list of stuff in a file or something and you want to know if all of them are real directories, if it's gibberish, then false is the right answer. It's not a link. It's not a directory. It's gibberish. Um, so, yeah, cool. So returns false instead of throwing exceptions. All right. Um, I We've covered uh, uh, Python type stuff, type hints and everything, a lot on uh, on Python bytes. But uh, the in Python 3.8, there's a few added features for typing. There is a some of them are kind of neat. There's a typed dict, uh, which is which is cool. It's dictionary type with per key types. I think this is kind of neat. The one of the things I wanted to highlight that I wasn't aware of right away is literal types. So you can so let's say you've got a, a, a function that takes an integer. The type hinting will tell you if make to make sure. That if you run it through MyPy or something, it'll make sure that the function's only called with integers. But you, with this literal thing, you can say not just integers, but these only these integers. So you can only have these literal values. Like you can only pass in four or something like that. And for a lot of things, like especially like string things, like um, like think all of the flags for uh, uh, all the read and write flags for for files, like R plus or W plus. There's only a handful of those things that are valid. So having uh, the type hinting system let you type checking, tell you whether or not you're getting this right. It's kind of neat. Final is available. So like, let's say you defined pi. You don't want to define it twice. Uh, you can final is available through the type hinting. Neat. Of course, everybody on this podcast knows that I'm a PyTest fan, but I also am very respectful for unit test. With all of the async stuff, I didn't see this coming. I don't know why I didn't see it coming, but of course we might need to mock async things. And uh, in Python 3.8, unit test adds async mock, um, which is an asynchronous version of mock. That's nice. Also, uh, the there are setup module and setup class functions. Those have been there, but now there are extra add module cleanup and add class cleanup functions. So you can register register cleanup functions for those fixtures. Nice. Several mock assert functions now also print a list of actual calls upon failure. That's cool. Uh, lastly, for the um, standard library changes that I wanted to cover, virtual environments. There's one little change that when you create a virtual environment on a Windows machine, you can get all these activate scripts. It's cool. It gives you the bash one also because I do use Git bash on Windows, so I, I like the activate um, that I can source in for virtual environments. But um, if you're using it in a normal man prompt, there's another one for that. But the change is there wasn't previously support for PowerShell, and now there is. There's an activate.ps1. Is it PS1 or PSL? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, there's a PowerShell version that is now in uh, virtual environments on Windows. Cool. Last thing I wanted to cover was this cool benchmark. At the end, there's a thing called that's a section that says demos and tools. And there was a uh, benchmark script for time and timing various ways to access variables. Uh, it's under tools scripts var access benchmark.py. So when you install Python, there's an extra benchmark thing that you can run. It kind of just prints out all the stuff. It tries all of these different ways to access variables and tells you how long it takes. I don't know why I wanted to highlight this. I just thought it was neat. That's actually all the features I wanted to cover. I I am uh, excited about some of the features. Some of them are just interesting. 
Uh, if there's some new thing that you really love in 3.8 that I didn't cover, I'd love to hear what it is. Uh, so reach out to me. I'm at Brian Aachen and Twitter, um, or you can reach me through the testing code at testing code or at test podcast on Twitter also, or you can reach me at the, um, the, whatchamacallit, the contact page on testingcode.com. Thank you to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. Now through October 29, you can get four months of PyCharm Pro at testingcode.com slash PyCharm. That link is also in the show notes at testingcode.com slash 91, along with the link to the full 3.8 What's New document. Thank you to Patreon supporters as well for helping to support the show. Join them at testingcode.com slash support. That's all for now. Now go out and try some Python 3.8 and maybe go test something. <laughs>